Welcome back to the Sunday Roast. How's it going, guys? How the hell are you? How are your hearts? And of course, how are your heads? Guys, what's going on? How are you doing? Forgive the nasal tones. I was not out till 6am with Pete Doherty and Kate Moss in the mid-1990s last night. I just have a bit of hay fever. I believe the pollen count is, is extraordinarily high in Ireland at the moment, so I'm smothered. Other than that, I'm doing okay. I hope you guys are good. Anyway, just a brief one to say thank you so much to everybody for supporting the show, uh, particularly the new Patreons who came on after last week's episode. I might remind you that this is the sole source of income I have at the moment, and I am deeply, deeply in need of you guys to subscribe to the Patreon in order to keep the uh, Sunday Roast alive in the oven and to keep me on the window side of my nearest delicatessen. Now, uh, thank you, basically, and thank you to everybody who follows me on Instagram, at Megan Mark. Please support the show, patreon.com forward slash Mark Megan. Um, Interesting one for you this week, uh, I wanted to chat to you about, right? So, as you know, I've moved to Dunleary, right? And the other morning I went, uh, I woke up, okay, uh, began like any other normal day. Don't you hate when they say that in documentaries? I really, really hate that when they say that in Netflix documentaries. Well, well, the funny thing about June 18th was it began like any other normal day. Well, no, that's not the funny thing. That's not the funny thing. Of course it began like any other normal day. Then there was a shocking event. That's why the film crew are here. That's why we're making a documentary. If there was six months notice... It wouldn't be a sensation. It wouldn't be a story, okay? So the funny thing is not that you just woke up and fed yourself a platter of sugar-coated bacon and, I don't know, a four-liter flagon of full-fat Coke, okay? That's not... The funny thing, as we're going to get to, is that you then discovered somebody you had gone to high school with had been posing as the mailman for 11 years in order to deliver you an envelope of anthrax as punishment for not picking him for your peewee football team, Okay? The, the the normal start to your day part is irrelevant. It's like whenever in movies as well. If you ever, I was thinking, talking about a friend. To, I'm talking. I was talking about this to a friend of mine during the week. Do you ever notice during in movies when, say, like a couple are sitting on a couch and uh, their murderer comes into the living room? He's about to kill them. Usually they know the murder. So they're just uh, watching a film, glass of wine in hand, and he sort of sidles into the room with a gun in his hand, and they sort of jump up and act shocked, and he goes, "No, no." Don't get up. Well, you've just walked into my living room with a luger. Of course I'm going to get up. I'm absolutely terrified. I'm petrified. I'd like to call the police, please. There is, not, there is a man standing in my kitchen with a gun. So anyway, woke up during the week. Began my day like any other normal day, you know. And I went for a walk on Dunleary Pier, because Dunleary is my new neighbourhood. It's my new ends, and I love it, okay? And you, anybody from Dublin using the term ends is a uh, criminal offence, to be honest. Nevertheless, I was walking down the pier, and I bumped into... I could see this guy in the distance, right? Somebody I went to school with. Uh, and I could tell, it's so bizarre, I could tell that it was him because I could see how wide his feet were pointing outwards. He was one of those people that walks with his feet pointing out east and west, uh, just like in school. It annoyed me then and it annoys me now. Place your feet forwards when you walk, you circus freak. Darren Shan. 
But it's really weird because it's somebody, <coughs> excuse me, he's somebody who I haven't crossed paths with for over a decade, you know, but I had spent so much time with him in school. So for about 10 years, I was with this guy every day. You know, I know so much about his life that I shouldn't. I know the intimate details about who he is. I know that he is a fear of flying and he has five freckles on his foreskin, you know. I know all of these things, but then I just, once you finish school, they're gone. You just never see some of them again. So anyway, I saw him and I was really hoping that I wouldn't have to do a stop and chat because I think I've spoken about it before, but I, I, I do believe there should be like a statute of limitations when it comes to who you have to stop and actually converse with in public. You know, if I haven't, if I haven't willingly made contact with you in the last maybe 36 months, um, not allowing for COVID, like we should just be a polite nod. A polite nod is the only thing that's required, you know? But as I get closer to him, I can see the eye contact and I know that it's going to happen. He's going to do a stop and chat. So anyway, he walks up and I go, oh, how are you? How are you, Seamus? I haven't seen you in a few years. And he was with a colleague, okay? So I was waiting to be introduced to the colleague, but there seems to be something about straight men, right? And it does seem to be straight men in particular, wherein they get awkward about introducing a man to another man. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I'm just standing there sort of waiting for him to introduce his friend or whoever he's with, and he doesn't. So I then go, oh, hi, sorry, uh, you know, I, I'm Mark. Like, And then he looks at me, then the friend even looks at me and goes, uh, all right. And I was like, yeah, sorry, sorry what's your name? Uh, Jeremy. As if, like, as if I was coming on to him. They go all sheepish or something. I don't understand. They're like, do you think it makes you gay? Is that your issue? By, by introducing, you know, the person you're with. As if, <clears throat> as if, <clears throat> excuse me, as if by you saying, oh, by the way, this Mark, this is my uh, colleague, Brian. It, as if that's the aural equivalent of taking down two dozen homosexuals to the restrooms in Dublin, Dunleary Pier. Those restrooms aren't in use, by the way. Um, just, you now have to climb down over the rocks if you want to, usually Tuesday nights. There's a decent crew, sort of, um, Tuesday nights, then like Thursdays, depending on the weather, in the morning just for before work. But it's it, it's absolutely unbelievable. So anyway, I'm standing there, okay, and I can feel myself agitated. I'm just agitated by his demeanor. I'm agitated at myself for the fact that I I, I can feel this change happening, wherein I'm slow, I'm slowly but surely regressing into the, the the child I was back in school. So, and he's not he's not offering any small talk. So, also, I never understand that if you're going to be the one to stop to do the stop and chat, don't look at me to bring the goods to bring the heat by way of conversation. You you have to bring something to the table. So I go, oh, so wh- what what's going on with you? Just out for a walk at work? I know, classic. It's a classic. It works. It's a good. You know, you just out for a walk uh, lunchtime work, and he goes. Yeah, yeah, what, what about yourself? And I went, oh, well, I actually just moved into the area, so I, I, love, I live here now. He goes, geez, you live in Dullary? Yeah, you know, I've just said that. I do, yeah. Uh, why? Oh, well, like, there's loads of oddballs knocking around here, isn't there? Um, 
Well, like, first and foremost, I am one of those oddballs, okay? I am one of those people that you see now walking around Dunleary during the day with one of those sort of, you know, the plastic bags you'd get from, like, a newsagent with the blue and white stripes. Like, that's me, filled with just miscellaneous goods, like a pint of milk and a porn magazine at any time of the day. Uh, That's who I am now, but what do you mean? Oh, well, like, there's lots of people, you know, let's just say they wouldn't be the full shilling. Um... No, I don't know what you mean by that, Seamus. And also, let me just cast your memory back. When we were in fourth year, okay? When we were in fourth year, one of the quieter guys in the class got upset because his granny died, okay? And he started crying in geography class. You whispered to me, what's wrong with him? And I said, oh, his his nana's just gone six feet under. His nana, yeah, she's just gone six feet under. You then proceeded to stand up and yell at the top of your voice, Cheer up, mate. Just because your granny's gone down to Brisbane to bang a few bogans doesn't mean you have to cry. You've just mistaken the difference between somebody going six feet under and somebody going down under. You incorrigible biscuit. You're in no position to judge the citizens of Dunleary, Kingstown or any other town for that matter, you know? Like, he was one of these guys, I remember him back in school, it all came flooding back to me. He was one of those guys that spent the majority of his time in school thinking about innovative ways to cheat in exams. You know those types? You know those type of people like, oh, maybe maybe if I wear edible underwear and use disappearing ink, I could write out a few algorithms on the arse of the boxers and chew my way into a B plus. Maybe just do a bit of study. I've said the same thing about Japanese schoolgirls. Maybe if they spent less time giggling nervously and filming pornos, they'd be able to carve out a decent education for themselves. You know those types. Just completely obsessed with subverting the system that they forget it would probably be easier to just do a little bit of work. Stop trying to con the human condition. Right, lads. Uh, I've got the perfect plan. Who's with me? Well... What is it? Like, what's, what's the newest plan of cheating? Right, well, you know the way we're able to bring water into exams? Yes, okay, brilliant. What, you're going to write down the answers on the insides of the plastic wrapper of the water bottle? Yeah, that's been done before. And you'll hardly be able to write enough to get any de- decent information down anyway. No, no, no. So listen, I bring in the bottle of water, okay? And on the bottle, there's a QR code. They won't know this, of course, but I've already been to the bathroom the day before. And that's where I've hidden a cellular phone and a Ziploc bag beneath the cistern. Anyways, I drink the water quickly, so I need to use the loo. I put my hand up and I ask the invigilator, can I go to the bathroom? He raised... This sounds like Jake Stevens. Do you remember that um, character from Naked Camera? He raises an eyebrow because we've only been in the exam hall for 30 minutes. I gesture to the now empty bottle of water and I go, I know, I need to use the loo. So anyway, he lets me go. As I'm walking out of the hall, I start coughing. What I'm doing here is I'm getting the SIM card that I've hidden behind my wisdom tooth to come loose so it'll be ready to take out and put in the phone once I retrieve it. Okay, like... Wait there, why is the SIM card not in the phone in the first place? This is all insane. Just in case there's an interception. Right, continue. I then go into the bathroom. There I've got the principal's son, gagged and bound, hiding in the janitor's closet. I bloody his nose at the back of my dubarry, and I squeeze the last few droplets of water from the bottle onto his face, just to keep him conscious for another hour or so. Sorry, wait, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Well, you gotta have some collateral in case this thing goes off. Anyways, I get to the bathroom stall, I make toilet noises to evade any suspicion. 
All the while I'm lifting the cistern, I take out the phone and remove the SIM card from between my teeth and I place it into the device. Then I switch on the phone, enter the pin, which just so happens to be the biggest nerd in the year's exam number, and hey presto, I'm online. There I text my mother. She's out by the front entrance of the school, dressed as a bush. She starts feeding me questions from the past papers via WhatsApp. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Hold on. Why does your mum need to be near the school? And why is she dressed as a bush? This is all so insane. Eventually I get the jitters because I hear footsteps coming down the hallway. The plan has failed. I take one last look in the terrified eyes of Jeremy, the principal's son, before dragging him over to the wheelchair jacks and placing his head into the loo. I feel his body squirm and jerk as I quietly drown him to remove the chance of a witness. I blow dry the drops that have gotten onto my trousers off. I leave the bathroom and I go back into the hall like nothing has ever happened. Man, you genuinely need to stop smoking hash. So I finished the conversation. I I brought it to an end and that was another thing. When people, do you ever get when people can't let a conversation come to its natural end and they stay hovering there like a fucking fart? So you have to effectively dismiss them and say, okay, we're, we're, we're finished now. You know, this isn't like back during COVID, you know, whenever we were willing to converse with parked cars or post boxes, such was the extent of our isolation. It's over now. I mean, we're, still equally as lonely, but at least now we can mask our fundamental existential despair by entering shops and sitting down in restaurants for longer than 90 minutes. So the conversation was brought to a close, and I was there feeling uh, dishevelled and upset. Not dishevelled physically, because I'm sort of perpetually dishevelled, you know, anybody that's ever seen me out in the wild. For some reason, I always, I'm one of those people that always looks like they're either on their way to bed or have just gotten out of bed. I don't know what it is. It must be something uh, fundamentally wrong with the way that I look. But I was dishevelled and upset after the conversation because it wasn't his fault. This was my fault. It was me being off beam for the afternoon. And I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm trying to look at where uh, my flaws are. I know it's really, really frustrating having to do so. But uh, I'm trying to look at where my flaws are. And that whole encounter was actually my problem. And the reason why I'm aware it was my problem was that very morning, which began like any other normal day, I was standing outside of my balcony, right? This is true, I swear to God. I was standing outside of my balcony having a smoke in the morning and I could see this guy walking down the street with his dog. And as he was getting closer, I could see that his eyes were looking at me and they weren't friendly. He wasn't looking at me as if to say, good morning, what a beautiful sunny morning, enjoy your smoke. He was looking at me to say, you shouldn't be smoking. You know that look. Anybody here who smokes uh, will be aware of that look of sort of, superiority and disgust that we regularly uh, receive from passers-by. Nevertheless, as he was walking by me, he maintained eye contact, so I just nodded at him, sort of like a, hiya, how are you? Sort of with my eyes, you know, and face. He then just takes one look the other way and just says, unacceptable, and keeps walking. And I swear to God, it threw me off beam for the whole fucking day, I actually went up to the Dunleary Main Street afterwards looking for him. Such was the extent of my anger. So Seamus from school, I, I apologise. 
you're 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 a perfectly adequate human being and I shouldn't have taken such staunch exception to you uh, criticizing Dunleary and its inhabitants. So I continued my walk and I was almost home and then I I encountered one of my new neighbors. And therein lies a problem itself, okay? Because I'm very now that I'm actually going to be living here sort of forever, which is a you know ultimately a grim enough prospect when you realize this is it. This is me now. That's the rest of my life done. But I don't know how to establish a relationship with these new neighbors because usually in the real world, my problem is I come on way too strong, right? And this has been something, this is an affliction I've had since I was a, a child in school. Every day I'd come home from the schoolyard with a brand new best friend. And my family used to take the piss out of me at the dinner table growing up because of it. We'd all be there. You know, dipping our fish fingers into the singular satay of ketchup Dad had robbed from the canteen of the office. And I'd be telling them all about this brand new friend I had called Sean, who loves robots, has never learned the backstroke, and can speak five words in Mandarin Chinese. The very next day, they'd be like, oh, how's Sean? I'd be like, that gimp, don't you ever blacken this already stained dinner table with his name again. He's not my friend. I actually have a new best friend called Edmund. He's got ginger hair, owns two PlayStations and still wets the bed. He's my best friend now. So basically, I just want to be careful that I don't get too close with somebody at the beginning and then want to bow out at a later date, but realize that I can't because they are, in fact, my neighbors. You know, it's sort of like, do you ever get if you go to like a wedding, uh, you're invited to an event or something and you don't know anybody there? OK, so for the first few minutes, you single out the only other sort of isolated Egypt. OK, the two of you form a bond uh, by aggressively smoking cigarettes and pretending that you don't feel awkward. And in those first few agonizing minutes, you're so grateful. You're so grateful to have this little sort of sidekick with you, even though he does smell a little bit too much of right guard extreme. And even if his political views are a little hard right and extreme. But at that time, you're happy because it's helped you relax and get out of your head, you know? Uh, and obviously we all know the inside of our heads is a wild west and the less time we reside there, the better. But the problem is, uh, with me, I always want more for life, from life. My insatiable appetite to consume more things is sort of the biggest issue I have. So after around half an hour at this event, when you've befriended little Robbie or something, you know, who's into Warhammer and anime, you then realize, hold on, actually, I've got a bit confident now. I can probably perhaps the normal people at this wedding. And you do. And you're fine. But the problem is then you're having a chat with somebody and Robbie comes up and like knocks the back of your elbow with a bottle of beer and goes, knock, knock. And you're like, sorry. And he's like, uh, do you fancy another beer, my friend? And you're like, oh, sorry, Robbie. I, I'm actually now reverted back to my original self as in the confident person. I actually don't need you anymore. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Robbie. Yeah, I'm actually comfortable now in my own skin for once. So I'm, I've sort of climbed up a little bit the ladder and the sort of in this, in this function room, there's a sort of ladder. Uh, and I'm now like, you know, deservedly a few rungs up higher because I've relaxed, if that makes sense. So, uh, I believe your granny went down under. Uh, good luck. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to the Sunday Roast. Your support means the world to me, guys. Thanks so much. I'm absolutely smothered here with this hay fever. If anybody has any good remedies or uh, suggestions, please let me know. I'm currently taking Telfast. It's doing absolutely nothing. And I've also been using this bacon mayonnaise thing. It's like a spray. Um, Again, giving me no relief. You can probably ascertain it from my voice that I'm a little bit under the weather. Hence the sort of haphazard uh, general theme and tone of today's podcast. But thank you for sitting through it. Thank you for being with me. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you very soon. Have a good week. Whatever it is you're doing and whoever it is you're doing it with.